If you're looking for a way to be a helper during this time, truly one of the best ways to get involved at Mental Health Association Oklahoma is to make a donation. Anything will help us continue to serve our participants during this difficult time. So visit Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page and donate on the COVID-19 Relief Fund or go to mhaok.org and hit the donate button at the top of the page. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. And on today's episode, we have Zach Stoikoff, who is one of Oklahoma's and maybe even the nation's greatest mental health advocates. And what's really exciting is that Zach is the Senior Director of Policy and Planning at Healthy Minds Initiative. And so what Healthy Minds Policy Initiative is, is it's a nonpartisan, dedicated team of policy and mental health experts who are collaborating with state and local leaders to develop and advance innovative data-informed policies and capacity-building approaches in the prevention and treatment of mental illness and substance use disorders for Oklahomans that we love and care about. And it's all funded by the amazing Anne and Henry Zero Foundation who do so much for Mental Health Association Oklahoma as well. And so the Healthy Minds Policy Initiative was launched in 2019, and the work stems from that amazing, amazing, amazing 2018 Tulsa Mental Health Study and Plan, which called for a policy-focused initiative to build a culture of convening and problem-solving around mental health. And, And so what's awesome about that Tulsa Mental Health Study and Plan was that it, it really presented the dire situation that we're in, but it also provided solutions. And so Zach is really helping lead the way to, you know, put those solutions into motion and to change lives. And so with all that being said, Zach, welcome to the Mental Health Download. Thanks, Matt. You are overly kind. And one quick note, everybody. Mental Health Association Oklahoma needs you to advocate for mental health today. And actually, if you go to mhaok.org forward slash advocate, we have an action alert for you ready right now. And it's related to a bill that we're going to be talking about during this podcast. But what you'll find there, it says vote no on HB 4064. This haphazard method of consolidation threatens to collapse the entire state mental health treatment system and jeopardizes our long-fought battle against opioids and other addiction. You know, not to mention opening up the state to legal and financial consequences barely yet considered. So, you know, consolidation of mental health services is complicated and the lives of tens of thousands of Oklahomans are at stake. So please, please take action today on HB 4064. And like I said, all details about that are at mhaok.org forward slash advocate. Okay, let's get this conversation started. The mental health download starts now. Okay, Zach. So yeah, welcome to the mental health download. And, you know, I think my first question just is, you know, what are you enjoying so much about being a part of the Healthy Minds Initiative? You know, it's been fun. You know, it's been a learning experience. Mental health is an area that I dabbled in while at the Tulsa Regional Chamber in terms of policy and healthcare policy. Um, But really to dive in with our team of experts, and we've got a PhD clinical psychologist on team, we've got uh, an individual who ran uh, or helped run significant portions of Texas's mental health system, and and those who've been involved in other states as well. And um, we've got some policy analysts on our team that have had 
more than a year of experience under their belts already, um, digging into policy issues in Oklahoma in particular. So a good team around us as we're really starting to chew this issue, and it, and it is a big issue, and it's much bigger than, as you know, Matt, much bigger than you know a lot of people who aren't involved in this area might think. You know, you're talking about educational outcomes, and you're talking about the future of children and their job successes. All rely on you know how well we are preventing mental illness, of course, but then treating it in schools and in the community, and that talking about you know, how are we handling mental health crises in our community? How are we handling suicide ideation, these sort of deaths of despair that we like to call them, you know, opioid drug overdose and things like that. Healthy Minds is really dedicating itself solely to what do the numbers say? What are the evidence-based practices? We, we hear all these colloquialisms around what our challenges are about mental health, but yeah, let's look at the numbers there. Let's see what is, you know, what is the appropriate level of care that gets the best effective treatment and outcome for an individual to, to live a productive life at the least cost. I mean, what, there, there is nothing wrong to looking at that sort of efficiency level uh, viewpoint of mental health. And we're working with some of the best experts in our community and in the nation to look at our problems and figure out uh, what are those next steps. Um, and just real quick, and this will be in the show notes, but the Healthy Minds Initiative website is healthymindspolicy.org. And so now I want to shift to something that was just gut-wrenching for so many of us in the mental health and suicide prevention world is, um, so Zach, you were a part of the, and you were featured prominently in Michael Overall's April 2nd, 2020 story uh, called Mental Health Crisis Projected to Hit Oklahoma and Nation After COVID-19. And Michael does, as he always does, he's a, he's a brilliant writer, but he focused on this stat that came from the Healthy Minds Initiative that as many as 18,400 Oklahomans could attempt suicide over the next 12 months under the burdens of stress and depression. Um, and that's according to a, a report from the Healthy Minds Policy Initiative. And that's based on prediction on suicide patterns that have followed previous disasters and recessions. And so, um, Zach, when you heard of that stat for the first time, um, because you, I, I'm sure you know that, you know, there's 45,000 people die by suicide every year in America, 800,000 die by suicide side across the globe every year. This stat particularly bothered me. Um, it was, like I mentioned, gut-wrenching. 18,400 people who would have thoughts of suicide and hopefully, you know, uh, their friends and loved ones will spot those warning signs and guide them to treatment And because suicide is the most preventable form of death there is. But, you know, what? tell me what you thought that, that moment that someone said, okay, 18,400 Oklahomans are going to die, potentially die by suicide in the next 12 months. Yeah, so this is a, really another example of, you know, we knew that the COVID crisis and the kind of the resulting economic recession, you know, we sort of all know and we sort of feel that's true that there will be mental health ramifications from that. I mean, we all are experiencing that in our daily lives. I mean, I know I've experienced a certain amount of anxiety over this and as many others have. And, you know, if you have a serious mental illness, those, those uh, things can be even more, more serious during this time. But we wanted to, as sort of this data-driven organization, look at, well, what try to quantify, you know, what really will be the need? We know there'll be a, a need for increased funding for providers, uh, for a, a special focus on how are we getting Oklahomans the treatment that they need. But, you know, really, unless you know the numbers behind that, you don't really know what to invest in that. You don't really know how to go forward from there. So we, we actually applied um, some really tried and true economic modeling numbers based on the 2009-2008 recession and what happened with that. Now looking like the recession from COVID is going to be as bad as that, perhaps. 
um, looking at pandemics uh, from other parts of the world and in this country, uh, although certainly nothing like COVID, but we know that any kind of pandemic, any kind of natural disaster is going to have mental health ramifications beyond just the individual who's directly affected by the disaster itself. You know, it's a community-wide thing and COVID affects everybody. So those numbers are, are fairly shocking. And, um, you know, what, what the report showed was that you know, as many as 90,000 Oklahomans may experience suicidal thoughts, suicide ideation of some kind. Um, and that over 18,000, um, in fact, even more as even later estimates were crunching the numbers continually, or maybe as many as 20,000 may attempt suicide over the next year. Um, it, but I want to be clear about that number because typically, you know, the data nationwide will, will bear this out that there, the, in, the instances of an individual actually following through with suicide and, and being, uh, you know, completing that act is, is much smaller than attempts, um, depending on what method you use. So when we say that potentially as many as 20,000 Oklahomans may attempt suicide as a result of both the economic downturn and the virus stress itself, uh, we're not saying that that's how many will die. In fact, we actually are estimating under 400 deaths total um, just because of that percentage of what the evidence says. Nonetheless, that's way too much. Um, that those are 400 deaths that can be prevented with some increased focus around COVID response. Okay, so there are some other just deeply disturbing numbers in this in this report that Michael overall wrote about. So it says roughly 30% of children may experience post-traumatic stress disorder from the quarantines and drug addiction will increase along with unemployment and financial stress with more than 13,000 Oklahomans likely to develop substance use disorders. Goodness. I mean, these are, we all, uh, I, I, we all know that life is never going to be normal again, but really quantifying these and putting numbers to this is really just, uh, it's overwhelming, right? I mean, we put out this report and the reaction that you're having is exactly the reaction that's appropriate. It, this is very serious. This is the next wave of the virus crisis. If we're not focused on this right now from a policy perspective, we're going to face all kinds of struggles down the road. How do people go back to work, not only after losing their job, but you're dealing with a mental health crisis? Uh, we've got to figure that out. All right. And so that leads perfectly into this very strange legislative session that we're in, in in Oklahoma. You know, it started off where we all had our plans and initiatives and goals and we were going to do this and this. And then COVID happened. And we're, I think everybody is, uh, especially probably Zach, is probably trying to figure out uh, what the heck is going on. And so, Zach, if you could just explain the situation that you personally are in and trying to navigate policy right now with all of the, the chaos at the Capitol and really across the country? Well, <laughs> right now there's no chaos at the Capitol, right? Because nobody's there. Right. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, talking to lobbyists down there, you know, individuals who've worked in advocacy for decades and just hearing over and over, this is unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, the way that the legislature went in a couple of weeks ago and voted on some budget measures that would uh, offset the existing revenue failure. Uh, was just unprecedented. I mean, you're talking about everybody listening to the debate in their offices, holed up in the Capitol, um, going into the chamber 10 at a time to vote, uh, voting on a single bill taking all day. Not to mention the fact that, you know, it's really only legislators and their staff that were allowed in the building. So you're not having sort of this face-to-face -face interaction with legislators. It's just different. I mean, if legislators are accessible right now, virtually, by email, by telephone. I know that, um, 
in both the Senate and the House leadership has communicated that. Legislators have said, you know, we want to be available for our constituents. But in terms of talking with legislators right now, uh, it's uh, we're all figuring out what the routine looks like going from here. Um, what we're hearing right now is that, you know, we're really looking at just a small number of quote unquote policy related bills that'll go through. Um, you know, session is supposed to end by the end of May. Um, the only thing legislators are constitutionally required to pass is a budget. Um, they're working on that. But, um, you know, these other several thousand policy bills that have been proposed this session are, are likely by legislative terms going to die with the exception of just a few. Um, and we're hopeful that there'll be some mental health interventions in there related to COVID. Uh, we're, we're trying to make the case these numbers show that that's needed. Um, but right now we're just in a little bit of a waiting game. Uh, we just cleared a little bit of a hurdle and figuring out our budget, exact budget shortfall and uh, a path forward on the revenue crisis uh, and a little bit of disagreement between the chambers of government. But um, looking forward to what's next. I think what's next is figuring out what we can actually pass from a policy perspective. Yeah. All right. So, you know, what are those those bills that you are going to try to get taken care of before the end of the session? What's what's really your priority right now? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there have been a number of mental health related bills this session uh, that were proposed that were good ideas. Uh, unfortunately, we just can't pass all of the bills. So r right now, what we're saying is, you know, a good step forward, a good way to start to address COVID without costing the state any additional money due to this budget crisis um, would be to pass Senate Bill 1718, which is mental health insurance parity legislation. Uh, it's a bill that has been covered particularly by the Oklahoman um, and, and has had some good news coverage. And it's really just an acknowledgement of existing federal law that says that if you are an insurer, you can treat individuals seeking mental health care uh, with no further, no greater restrictions than on non-mental health care treatment. In other words, there can be no discrimination. There must be equity across the board uh, for individuals seeking mental health care versus individuals seeking quote unquote physical health care. Um, our insurers have been good partners in this um, as we've sort of gone back and forth and said, you know, what works for our, our patients. And um, we wound up with a, a pretty good bill that increases transparency over how insurers are complying with existing law and, and, and giving the public and legislators a little bit of transparency there. Um, as we continue to have this this conversation. Um, the data in Oklahoma around that, Matt, was a little bit disappointing. Um, there have been some national reports around parity. Um, and in Oklahoma, uh, the reports show that we are nine times more likely to have to seek behavioral health care uh, out of network versus in network um, than other kinds of health care. Uh, and that what that means is far more expensive coverage. What that means is more difficulty finding providers. Uh, what that means is potentially provider networks not being as adequate as they should be. Um, again, every insurer is different and we're not singling anyone out. In fact, um, some of our largest insurers have been very good partners in this conversation. Uh, but that's one bill um, that we'd like to pass. We'd also really like to look at what is Oklahoma spending and what are our strategies around mental health from a state level? Uh, there's another bill, Senate Bill 1350, that has already passed um, the Senate and is on its way to the House. Uh, that, that does that and, and really starts to build us toward a statewide coordinated strategic plan around mental health. We, we're really interested in ensuring that every single one of our limited dollars um, is available and going toward really a, a, a strategic plan that's based on the data around what Oklahomans actually need. And I think that's another good low-hanging fruit that we can pass this year. Now I want to talk about House Bill 4064. 
um, and that is the consolidation bill. So um, I'm going to get Zach's take on this, but um, I wanted to give a little background uh, courtesy of uh, Mental Health Association Oklahoma CEO Mike Bros. He actually sent this out as an email to our board and advisory council, our staff and advocates. And uh, so I'm just going to read because um, <laughs> it's it is classic Mike Bros. It is uh, fire up the the troops. Let's go. Um, so it says some of you have heard of the Mental Health Association, a large coalition of statewide mental health and substance use providers, hospital systems, law enforcement organizations, teacher groups, and more have strongly opposed passage of Oklahoma State House Bill 4064. And in a united front, we have let the House and Senate and Governor Stitt's office know of our strong opposition to this poorly thought out, ill-timed, and potentially disastrous legislation. The bill proposes to consolidate the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services under the Oklahoma Health Care Authority. While OHCA is a strong public health insurance company for many Oklahomans, they have no idea how to run a complex entity like uh, the Department of Mental Health with its care, service, and oversight. There has been no planning, capital N-O, <laughs> planning, capital N-O, dialogue, and providers or people directly affected. Just a whim of the governor believing this makes sense. It does not make any sense to anyone else. A few other states who have tried similar approaches have experienced rising cost of care, reduced services, and chaos. Almost all of those states will tell you it was a mistake. Mental health advocates have worked too hard to get to the modest place we are in in Oklahoma, and this is no time in the midst of a worldwide pandemic to embark on such a dangerous plan. Later this year or next, when the pandemic calms, we would be happy to sit down with Governor Stitt to discuss this further, but for now, we need your help to kill this bill. So call your, call your state representative and your state senator, and this is my favorite line in this whole thing, and maybe one of my favorite lines in any Mike Bros email I've ever received. It says, Tell them, heck no, on House Bill 4064. So God bless Mike Bros. And so um, <laughs> that 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 kind of gives you, um, you don't have to do too much context. So, um, it, you know, ex, ex, express what the Healthy Minds Initiative, what, what your perspective is on all this. Yeah, you know, Mike has been, uh, he's been in the media on this issue. He's been one of the more vocal statewide advocates on this issue. Uh, we've, we've tracked it closely. You know, we had been aware for months prior to legislative session that this was going to be a priority of the governor. Um, so really taking a database perspective to this issue and looking at what happened in other states that have tried this. You know, this is a model that actually has seen um, some experience uh, around the country, and this isn't a brand new idea. And so we've looked at states like Arizona, which had a very similar sort of consolidation of an agency like the mental health agency, which runs treatment systems into a Medicaid agency, which is just an insurance payer. A little bit different scope. How did that look? And looked at other states. Colorado was one. Uh, Florida did it years ago, um, and, and really, we found some commonalities, and we did put together a report, and we gave it to the governor's office before session on, you know, what those states saw, I mean, in terms of challenges, and was there anything positive from those efforts, and, and so forth, and um, the, the unanimous, almost unanimous recommendation from those states that we, we really got was that you really have to be careful when you're looking at something like this, you can't really just do it, and then you know, plan later, you, you really have to have a plan detailed, laid out in advance. They emphasize there are a number of stakeholders involved in these kinds of conversations. You've got police who rely on mental health systems for um, transportation problems, for um, how do you handle an individual who's having a psychosis episode? Um, you take them to jail, you take them to treatment. There's a whole network around that. Police need to be engaged. 
there's school-based mental health services, so the entire education system needs to be engaged. There's providers who rely on your mental health department for their cash flow issues and, and uh, oversight of their, you know, their outcomes, their treatment, their um, fidelity of their programs. You, you really just need a lot of careful planning. And then they also stress that you know, even with careful planning, you know, you should expect road bumps. This is not something that you can do and then expect it to be good um, next year. You have to really expect potentially even a decade of challenges of navigating unforeseen problems, of fixing state statute. This is a very complicated process. The way that um, House Bill 4064 was originally designed, and that's the original language I believe currently uh, now, is that we would consolidate the mental health department into the healthcare authority by this summer. Um, that is, uh, based on what we've seen in other states and what the data has shown, um, just not a smart thing to do. Um, there are potentially even legal issues with that. Um, you know, a number of states, in fact, 14 states have had uh, intervention by the United States Department of Justice for mental health treatment failures um, when you start messing with their administrations without an oversight, without really knowing what you're doing. Um, you really just need some planning. And so what we we then kind of went back and said, you know, we, we really need you guys to, to look at this and, and plan, and we're going to stand to be a partner in helping you figure out what the best thing for Oklahoma is. Um, the way that bill currently written uh, is very concerning. It is very concerning. And so what do you think? Is the coalition going to be successful? Do you think this will happen or not? You know, that's a good question. You know, I, I know that legislators are looking at issues that are right now not, not controversial uh, for that small package of policy bills. But clearly, this issue is fairly controversial and has quite a bit of opposition. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of saying, you know, instead, you know, if it looks like this isn't going to happen, you know, we respect the goals of certain legislators and the governor for wanting to increase integration between mental health and physical health, for wanting to streamline government. Those are not inherently bad things. Um, there's potentially a way to move forward and, and do it in a smart way. And we want to be at the table with the data to, to kind of advise and help shape what that looks like. Uh, in the meantime, we've got this bill that I mentioned earlier um, that has just been just unanimously almost, I think, I don't know if we even had a single no vote so far, but Senate Bill 1350 that really says, hey, you know what, it's more than just the healthcare authority, it's more than just the Department of Mental Health. There are actually a dozen state agencies that touch mental health in some way, that spend mental health dollars, that have some sort of strategies. Let's get a better handle and sense of what all of that looks like, and then start to look at what a strategic plan looks like. Does a strategic plan need to say something about this? You know, what, did, what do Oklahomans and our patients need? Um, and, and that sort of thing. And we're, we're really hoping the legislature, uh, if this bill doesn't advance, that we we start just, we pass in a bill 1350 and we start that process, um, you know, the right way. Yeah. Okay. So now we're, it just keeps, <laughs> we're just getting darker and darker uh, topics. Okay. So yesterday in the news, um, April 21st, the Oklahoman, among other media outlets, reported that state revenue shortfall declared uh, $1.3 billion shortfall forecast for next year. And I saw that and like, like I keep saying, like I knew it was going to be bad, but like, oh my gosh, $1.3 billion shortfall. I mean, and my immediately, and I actually called Wendy Fralick, who is our Mental Health Association Oklahoma's uh, chief administrative officer and oversees our policy uh, efforts. And <laughs> I was like, I was just, I, I was almost in a panic because I was like, oh my God, what does this mean for mental health? Um, you know, a couple years ago, uh, 
you know, the, the Department of Mental Health was facing, I think, a $75 million cut in funding. Luckily, that didn't happen, uh, mostly because of advocates like Zach and others, just uh, all, all of us working together to make sure that mental health is, was protected. And I'm just wondering, with $1.3 billion shortfall, what is that going to mean for the Department of Mental Health? It's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're struggling with that as well. You know, I mean, that, that type of deficit is almost 20% of our appropriated funding and what the legislature appropriates in Oklahoma. I mean, it is, it is devastating. Um, it is as bad or much worse even than um, those that budget shortfalls we've had in the last 10 years, and they've been some doozies. You know, we're, again, really making the case that, you know, if, you, if we're really focused on this crisis and making sure that Oklahoma can get through this crisis, it, we've got to have a focus on mental health. I mean, these numbers are that, that we talked about earlier. Um, this is not pseudoscience. I mean, there is very similar numbers being projected nationally, and states that get ahead of this and states that really start to address this can head off unemployment and economic downturn a lot quicker. Their budgets can rebound a lot faster um, if we really just focus on this. And then we'll also be looking at, you know, we, we're encouraging a look at children because this childhood trauma issue, uh, you know, that's going to have ramifications for our state budget and our mental health and health and education outcomes years down the road. So I don't anticipate there's an agency that likely will avoid cuts. What we want to do, and, and we're being realistic about that, unfortunately, but what we, what we really want to do is just try to hold these critical core functions that are really necessary for riding through this crisis, just hold those safe at the very least and, and make sure those critical services can continue. That's all we can do at this point. Okay, Zach, let's let's talk about something actually pleasant. Tell me some good news that's going on in the world of policy. You know, there's some good stuff happening in Tulsa in particular uh, that we, we're aware of, and Oklahoma City has some really good stuff happening. Think about what's happened in Oklahoma City public schools with the transformation around mental health that they're doing for their school. It's, it's incredible. TPS is starting to do some similar work. Uh, you know, we've got programs in Tulsa that are being built up through a number of partnerships, um, including how do you how do you start to formulate a citywide strategy for addressing meth addiction in Tulsa and um, through a number of partners, including 12 and 12 and Tulsa Police and City of Tulsa and others, there's some work going on around that that you'll see a lot more in the news later this year. And just that 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 really hits home because you know we've got some national attention uh, from the New York Times uh, around our uh, meth challenges. And we know from the data that Meth is our number one killer in terms of any single one drug, uh, but with, we're going to have some nationally leading innovative ways to address that problem um, and, and really ensure that our population and our people have productive lives apart from that. Um, so that'll be good news. Maybe that's a promise of good news to come. Maybe that's not good news right now. <laughs> um, it's a promise of good news to come. Um, you know, this um, I've I've taken a really I've had a lot of conversations about the COVID crisis and how it's affected all of our daily lives. And uh, I'm sure you mad too. I think it looks like you're at home right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even working from home and staying safe with social distancing, you know, there's, there's a good opportunity. And I like this positive perspective, a good opportunity, sort of like refocus our lives and think about what really matters and what's most important um, and kind of settle down from the day to day rush of life and um, really start to embrace some mindfulness practices and all these things that are evidence-based around mental health. And um, I'm, I'm trying to look at this whole thing from that kind of positive angle. Um, this is really just a chance to just pull the plug out and put the plug back in, <laughs> you know, and reset, so to speak, 
so I hope others are taking that positive perspective as well. Yeah. Okay. As we wrap things up, I do want to ask you, um, you know, how are you taking care of your mental health? Uh, because it's very stressful. Uh, you just try to keep up with all this news and then, you know, dealing just with all the anxiety that we're all experiencing. What are you doing to, to take care of your mental health stack? Yeah, I actually am doing some mindfulness practices. You know, if you go online, um, there's a number of them from meditation to just different things you can be doing while being physically active um, that really help calm you down, um, take neighborhood walks, that sort of thing. Mindfulness is key. And, and, you know, if you are really having a mental health crisis and you really need some help, there are a lot of resources out there that are available to you. Uh, you mentioned the Healthy Minds website, healthymindspolicy.org. Um, if you go there, um, there's a page with COVID resources that we actually partnered with the Mental Health Association on creating um, with everything from numbers to the COPES crisis hotline if you're having a serious issue. Um, where do you go physically if you need some actual in-person treatment? Um, because you should still seek treatment in person, by the way, um, if you if you really need it. And, and even tips on if you've got kids and you're a parent, how do you, how are you supposed to be handling the situation with your children? Um, there's some good resources that are linked on that website. Awesome. And then as we do at the end of every show, um, I ask the, the guests to share a bit of wisdom and then close us out with our rallying cry, which is go do good things. So Zach, take it away, buddy. Uh, close us out with some wisdom. <laughs> You've given us lots and you're going to keep giving us lots. So I appreciate that. But yeah, just a little bit of, little bit of wisdom, Zach. Uh, wisdom. All right. I recently once heard, I recently heard the quote, uh, if you're not making somebody mad, you're not doing something worthwhile. So don't be afraid to be bold and, and make a difference in your community. Go do good things. COVID-19 has impacted the people Mental Health Association Oklahoma serves every day. People impacted by mental illness, homelessness, substance use, and justice involvement. And we continue to serve the most vulnerable in our communities, but that's coming with many unexpected expenses. We have established a COVID-19 relief fund to assist us in the emergency services we are providing. Help us serve our participants in need of rental assistance, mental health care, food and shelter, and other basic necessities. Go to Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page to contribute or visit our website at mhaok.org and hit the donate button at the top of the page.